Hey, grown-ups! We are so incredibly grateful to you for listening to Story Pirates. Season 6 was really, really fun to make, and we're so excited for Season 7 right around the corner. To help us make the Story Pirates podcast the best it can be, we've created a short survey for our listeners, and we'd really, really appreciate it if you could take a few minutes to fill it out. You'll be able to tell us what you like about the Story Pirates podcast and what you'd like to see us do in the future. To fill it out, just go to realm.fm slash kids. That's realm, spelled R-E-A-L-M, dot F-M slash kids. And as a thank you, everyone who fills it out can enter to win a prize pack from a whole bunch of different kids' podcasts, including Story Pirates! Pretty cool. Again, that website is realm.fm slash kids. Thank you. Now back to the show. Hey, grownups. If you're a fan of comedy, there's a brand new podcast from our friend Justin Bartha that I wanted to tell you about. You may remember Justin from episode seven this season. He's the treasure hunter at the Met. And as you heard a seriously funny actor. Justin's show is called King of the Egg Cream. And in addition to Justin, it has just the most incredible cast. Again, this show's just for grownups and probably older kids. Grownups, you can take a listen yourself and see what you think. But if you're a fan of hilarious stuff and well-told stories, you will probably like King of the Egg Cream. Here's a taste. This egg cream is delicious. I wish the chocolate syrup inside wasn't so expensive. If you'd like to save some shekels and have some fun at the same time, make sure you tune in to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the show. Hey, Story Pirates podcast listeners. It's Lee from the Story Pirates. Today, we have a very special bonus episode for you that is an interview I did with the amazing Broadway actor and singer, Lily Cooper. You might remember Lily from her appearance on the Story Pirates podcast last season when she sang Hedgy and the Cloud Kingdom. Lily also stars in the brand new Story Pirates bedtime show, Sleep Squad, where she plays Siesta Shuddai, also known as the Dream Queen. In this interview, Lily tells me about growing up in a family full of performers, making her Broadway debut when she was still in high school, and what it was like to originate the role of Sandy Cheeks in SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical. And grown-ups, if you want to check out Lily in our new show, Sleep Squad, just visit storypirates.com slash news. And now, without further ado, here's my talk with Lily Cooper. Lily, welcome to the Story Pirates podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is the first time I've ever done an interview with an adult. Really? Yeah. I feel very honored. You should. I mean, I should. I mean, we're both honored. It's all, it's just an honor. It's very exciting. So you've been on the Story Pirates podcast before. You are a part of Sleep Squad, our new bedtime show. Yeah. And you also are an incredible performer, singer, actor, human in your own right. Well, thank you. And I just wanted 
to do this interview because I thought, wouldn't it be cool to sort of touch base with an artist that our listeners know and have heard and are familiar with um, and hear a little bit about your life and your process and art and what you think about when you're making stuff and being a creator like so many of our listeners are? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think this time that we've had on our hands over the past almost year has given us a lot to think about. And I've been thinking a lot about all of those things. To start, I'd love to hear just what it was like growing up for you. I know that you grew up in a household full of artists and performers. Mm-hmm. And so what was that like and how did you get your start performing? Yeah, so I grew up in a very theatrical family. My father is an actor and singer. I have two older brothers who are both actors. My mother was an actress. And so, you know, it comes from kind of every angle. And I grew up in Hell's Kitchen. So I grew up literally blocks away from Broadway and seeing Broadway shows all the time. Like my first vivid memory of Broadway is being backstage at the Barrymore Theater where my dad was doing the life. And I was a little six-year-old just running around backstage, you know, doing homework and playing games and, you know, meeting all the chorus girls and sitting in the stage manager's booth. So I, it goes back far and goes back pretty deep. That's so cool. Cause for me as a kid growing up doing theater, I wasn't backstage at Broadway shows, but the, the sort of like the guts of the theater, the backstage areas, the lighting grid, anywhere that's like in a tunnel or a dressing room or That, to me, is where I have the most memories as a kid of falling in love with the theater. Yeah, and you know, we really do kind of create our own worlds because we're in this dark space when we're inside of a theater. You know, there are no windows and we're all just in this space together creating art together. And it and it kind of allows your imagination to go wild. And, and it's a really powerful space being backstage at a Broadway theater. And I got like really involved too when I was a kid. I remember I, I made friends with all the dressers and, you know, they had quick changes backstage. And so dressers would be like, come help me with this quick change. And I'd hand off a prop to an actor on stage or I'd help with, you know, a costume change. Uh, So it was really cool. Like during shows? Totally, during shows. It was super (laughs) hands-on. Ugh, that is so neat. What a a dream. (laughs) So... Is that about when you started singing and acting yourself? Yeah, no, actually, surprisingly enough. I was super shy as a kid. And so performing, you know, secretly was actually something that I always knew I wanted to do and I was in love with. But I didn't actually start singing or acting until um, high school. I started out dancing. I was a dancer from the age of like five. So I didn't really start singing until high school. And, you know, something that that happened to me at a young age that I really think was really powerful and helped kind of shift my focus into musical theater was that I was cyberbullied in junior high in seventh grade. And it was a really kind of traumatic experience. And I realized that I was with a group of people, a group of girls specifically, who like just were not my people. They were not my tribe. They were not supportive, you know. And that was when I decided that I wanted to go to a performing arts school. And when I did, I transferred to uh, a performing arts middle school for eighth grade. That's when I found my tribe. And that's when I felt like I fit and I felt safe and protected and, um, you know, encouraged to be myself in every way. So, uh, you know, this kind of sad thing happened, but I think fueled 
um, one of the best decisions I've ever made. That's great because it's it's not easy to find your tribe or your group of friends that really gets you, right? Exactly. And it's not easy to go through something and make something positive out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really proud of myself to kind of come out of that on the other side. We face a lot of roadblocks along the way, but to use those roadblocks as propellers toward the future is is the is the best way, I think. So you are in middle school, you're in high school, you're learning that you love performing and being an artist, you're meeting other artists. So what kind of classes were you taking at this time? Were you studying voice? Were you studying acting? Yeah, I was a drama major in high school. So I was mainly studying acting. And on top of that, I was dancing outside of school until my sophomore year, which was when I did a production of Hair. And agents and managers come and see shows at LaGuardia because, you know, it's a performing arts school. (laughs) Yeah, super fancy. So after the show, you know, they'll kind of hand you a card if they're interested and this wonderful agent handed me a card and I called her a few months later and auditioned for a random workshop. And eventually that show, Spring Awakening, developed from a workshop to off-Broadway to Broadway. And I was on Broadway as a junior in high school. So things changed drastically that year. Wow. That must have been, what a roller coaster that must have been. So you did a workshop for Spring Awakening, this musical And then you guys opened on Broadway. What was it like to be so young and be like, I'm on a Broadway stage right now on opening night? I mean, we definitely thought we were very cool. I was was convinced I was the coolest 16-year-old out there, for sure. sure. It was wild. It was so surreal. You know, the entire cast was very young. The majority of us were making our Broadway debuts. So we were all kind of in this together, and we were growing up together and learning about the biz together. It was a very formative time for all of us, and I think we connected so profoundly that it really became a kind of lifelong bond. And... We shared such a unique experience together, like, and there's no denying that. And it's just a, it's just such a powerful connection. And I think that that happens with almost every Broadway show, you know, it's such an intimate experience. You're with people sometimes 12 hours of the day. And I was in tutoring with a few other um, actors because we were, a few of us were also in school. And so we were not only in rehearsals together, but we were like in a school together and then at night in the show together. So it's a very kind of intimate process and you really, really get to know each other so well. And you have to kind of learn to work as an organism. You have to learn to work together. And that's really what theater is, right? You can't just do it alone. You depend on everybody else around you. So you have to learn to work together to create the final product. Yeah, it's it's one of those funny things where you have to be like, I'm on stage right now. This is about me, but also it's not about me at all. It's about everybody else who's on stage with me. And not only everybody else who's on stage with you, but like the 2,000 people watching you and all the crew members backstage and, you know, ev- and your dressers. Like, it's about everyone. It all sounds so wonderful, but were there things about it that were really difficult? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would never deny the fact that it's a, it's a, a, a really hard business to be in. Um, being on Broadway is grueling. It's eight shows a week. You really don't get holidays off. Like I, I've been in, um, four Broadway shows now. And for each of them, I've performed either, you know, on Christmas day, on New Year's day, holiday schedules are crazy because they throw in extra shows on top of rehearsals, 
you know, and on top for me at that time, you know, doing homework and schoolwork on top of all that. So yeah, it's, it's grueling. It really forces you to be like very brutally honest with yourself because the business, you have to expect a lot of no's before you hear a yes. And that kind of forces you to develop a pretty thick skin, you know? Um, and for me, it was at a pretty young age. So it felt like it, it kind of forced me to grow up pretty quickly, which I really appreciate. Like I said, kind of about my experience in middle school, like I feel like the harder things in life help you grow up and become like a better, more well-rounded human. So I always tried to look at the hard things about Broadway as things that I was really grateful for. And that's kind of one of my mantras is I always try to remind myself to be grateful no matter how challenging a scenario is. And I think that helps you kind of appreciate what you have. So let's talk about SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Which I think many of our listeners might know you from even before they heard you on Story Pirates because you were in the original cast of that Broadway show too, right? Sure was. (laughs) Yep. I was in the original Broadway cast of SpongeBob SquarePants on Broadway. I played Sandy Cheeks, the Texan squirrel. Um, She's a near and dear to my heart. I love her so much. And when did you start working on SpongeBob? Yeah, so I auditioned for it maybe 2016, I think. And the really cool thing about my audition process was that I already knew who was playing SpongeBob. Ethan Slater and I went to college together. And so we had been friends for years before I ever auditioned for SpongeBob. So I reached out to him. I was like, oh my God, I'm auditioning for SpongeBob. I can't wait. Uh, My audition is this date, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in your audition. We're going to read together. Like one of my dearest friends, you know, it just makes you feel so safe and comfortable in an audition room when sometimes auditions can be scary and stressful. And, you know, sometimes you open the door and there's just like a scary room of people staring back at you. And when you have this like, this familiar face and a good friend in the room with you, it just helps kind of break down all your barriers. And that's what I really needed because Tina Landau, our amazing director, was all about just letting your freak flag fly, like showing all the wackiest parts of you, right? And so you needed to be able to just be as comfortable as you possibly could in this audition room. And Ethan really helped me do that. So we just had fun. And how many times can you say that about an audition? I mean, I don't think I've ever had an audition like that. The other thing that makes me think of is like, you would think going into a process of creating a Broadway show that people would be, and especially the director, would be looking for getting things like right, right? Like, quote unquote, doing it correctly or doing it very well. But you're saying that your director encouraged you to flail and fail and be vulnerable and be silly and make mistakes. Yes. And sometimes the mistakes were what ended up in the show. But how does a mistake get to something that's good enough for a Broadway show? We think of them as as happy mistakes where you kind of discover something out of a mistake that you never would have discovered. So I, I don't know whether it's literally falling on your face. And then we're like, oh, wait a minute. That's hilarious. What if you fell on your face in that moment? And then that is in the show. Like those kinds of things would literally happen with SpongeBob because of how wacky and unique the show was. And the only way that we could create that world was to create that environment of of feeling comfortable and vulnerable. 
So when SpongeBob finally debuted on Broadway, were you nervous about people showing up expecting to see a character that they know and love and seeing you there? Were you worried <laughs> about their expectations? Um, you know, I actually wasn't because I knew that we were really trying to make something unique and something that had never been done before. Like SpongeBob has been done, you know, on ice where it's like a bunch of people in big foam costumes and you would expect it to be kind of be identical in that scenario. But if you expect it to be identical on Broadway, then I don't know, your expectations were just wrong and we were just going <laughs> to we were just going to show you how different we were. And I th I think we were more excited about that prospect than nervous about it. And the original actors, the original voices came to see the show, came to opening, so we met all of them. So that was probably the one thing that I was the most nervous about. I was like, I wanted to do Sandy proud, you know what I mean? I wanted to make sure that all of the actors were just proud of what we did, especially in honor of Steven Hillenburg, who passed last year. So we just really wanted to do them proud. And can you tell listeners what Steven did on the original show? Yeah, Steven Hillenburg is the creator of SpongeBob. I mean, it was his brainchild. He really thought of everything, every little, every little creature and character and story. He created the entire thing. What dreams and what goals do you have now for your career and for performing and in your life in the theater or elsewhere? Yeah, I think that they've kind of changed over this past year. Things have been um, so wacky. You know, people keep talking about getting back to a normalcy, getting back to like some sense of normal. And I don't even, I don't think that that's the desire that I have. I think that the future of theater needs to change. I think that we need to look at it in a completely different way. I think that we need to be telling stories differently. I think that different people need to be telling stories. I think that the kind of foundation of how theater is made needs to change. Um, so I'm excited to be a part of whatever that may mean. Like, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'm just excited to be a part of whatever that may mean. You know, representing marginalized communities or having more women and people of color in positions of power. And not just on stage, but behind the scenes and in the audiences. What my biggest goal for theater is to look out in the audience and see faces of different colors and ages and sizes and all of the above, instead of just looking at a kind of wash of similar faces. Who can afford the tickets. Who can afford the tickets. And that tends to be what Broadway has been in the past. So that would be my biggest goal for theater. I love that because, you know, the way theater will change, it's not going to be all about Broadway either, right? Like, it's going no. to be about theater for families. It's going to be about theater in communities. It's, it's about everybody. Yeah, because not not everybody can buy a plane ticket and stay in a hotel and come to a Broadway show. What we hope for is to reach audiences everywhere. And this is the really cool thing, the blessing in disguise of this past year, is that we've navigated that and we've kind of opened that door to figuring out how do we create theater and connect to people in different states, different countries, different time zones. And we're kind of starting to figure out new ways to do that now. And when, you know, when this is all over, theater's going to be a big way we come back together as humans. 
And so thank you for sharing your thoughts on, on where we're going. That's, that's really exciting. Yeah. So before we go, I, of course, have to ask you about Sleep Squad. Yeah. And Sleep Squad is our new bedtime show. It's an audio and a visual experience where you get to hear different kids' dreams brought to life like you know Story Pirates do. But you also get to see the Dream Queen in her spaceship, the REM, in outer space, teaching you how to bring your own dreams to life. So when we started thinking about Sleep Squad, we had just recorded Hedging the Cloud Kingdom, the season finale of season three of the podcast. And you just came to mind right away. What did you think when I first, do you remember when I first asked you if you were interested? <laughs> do you remember yeah, totally. You I think you emailed me about it. And then like we talked on the phone and I was like, I mean, honestly, whatever Story Pirates does, like, I'm like, yeah, totally. Sign me up. Say no more. I'm down. So I was like, I don't really know what this is, but I'm really excited about it. <laughs> So it was fun to, to to sign on to something that I didn't really know what to expect. I have to say that I think that you have, I don't know if you know this, but you have the reputation of being game. Yeah. Okay. That is, <laughs> I can't, I cannot thank you more for that. That is awesome. I'm so happy to know that. <laughs> I was like, this is a weird idea because Sleep Squad is kind of experimental. It's different. Mm -hmm. I literally can't think of anything else out there that's like it. Right. And I was like, I think Lily might be into this because it's weird. <laughs> so is there something about the show that jumps out at you as like something you, you think is interesting? Yeah. the th I think the thing that really hooked me in was that we were going to explore dreams. And dreams are such a perfect avenue to exploring our imaginations. And I think using our imaginations is so vital from a young age, but forever. You know, throughout this pandemic, there have been a lot of times where I've been just bored, right? And boredom is actually a really powerful thing because it allows you to use your imagination. And sometimes when we fall asleep, we're bored and we don't know what to think about and how to navigate into our dream world. And I thought it was so cool that here was this really exciting, new, never-done-before project that combines the concept of exploring our dreams and helping people sleep. I mean, sleep is so vital. Like, everyone <laughs> needs to sleep. I love sleep. I love to sleep. <laughs> Sleeping is great. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you need help to sleep. And so it combined these two things that I was just super excited about. So that's what kind of hooked me in. That's amazing. And it kind of answers my next question, which was, what do you hope that kids and families can get out of this show? Yeah, I hope I hope that it becomes an exploration of imagination on not only individually, but for a family to explore imagination together. And the cool thing about this is that you can explore your dreams, share it with your journal with your co-pilot, but also with your family and your siblings and other people who have experienced, who are part of the sleep squad. And also I hope that it demystifies sleep because I think different ages, you have a different relationship with sleep. I always remember when I was younger, I was like, oh, I don't want to go to sleep. I want to stay up and I want to do things and I want to watch TV. And now that I'm as old as I am, I'm like, when can I go to sleep? Can I please <laughs> fall asleep now? <laughs> so we have like different relationships with sleep. So I think it's just important to, at a young age, like understand your relationship with sleep. 
um, and your imagination at the same time. Well, I hope that everybody checks out Sleep Squad because your performance is incredible. You're warm and welcoming. Lily, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey and your wisdom and kids and families who are listening. I know they're going to get a lot out of it because it's a really special and unique journey. And and thanks for sharing with us. Thanks, Lee. Thank you so much. I love chatting. Thanks for having me. Bye, Lily. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's bonus episode and a big thanks to Lily for sitting down with me. We'll be back in just a few days with our final episode of the Story Pirates podcast before the holidays. And grown-ups, don't forget to check out Sleep Squad at storypirates.com/news. Life is good.